Hello, and welcome to the Smart Dreamers podcast, where we dive into the latest news and emerging trends in recruitment and talent acquisition. I'm your host, Kristen Masters, and today we're here with Enrique Rubio of Hacking HR to talk about the future of work and creating a new value proposition for HR. Enrique, hi, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my ple- our pleasure. Um, so tell us a little bit about you and Hacking HR and kind of what inspired you to, to launch Hacking HR. Absolutely. Well, I think we, in my view, the, the, the complexity of the things that we're dealing with in the world right now is, is only increasing. We think that it's it's very difficult to comprehend all the things that are happening and the the, the 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 pace at which they are happening, and that pace, that complexity, the chaos, the volatility of all the things that are happening is only going to increase. And in my view, it is fundamental to be able to thrive and even survive in the new world of work that we get together as a global community to support each other, to learn from each other, to collaborate with each other, even to challenge each other in order to, well, remain relevant, thriving, and, and you know, succeeding in this new world of work. So the main idea be- behind Hacking HR is building a global network of HR people or those who work with people and for people to get together on a regular basis in order to, uh, you know, learn from each other and continue remaining relevant in, in this new reality of work. So, so that's perhaps the main driver of Hacking HR, building a global community. And the second driver of Hacking, driver of Hacking HR, I'm sorry, is the idea that we need to inform the, the HR community that to do well HR work, good HR work, we need to know way more than just HR. We need to we need to manage a number of other things that are what I call non-HR stuff. So some of the things that we're doing with the with the uh, with the hacking HR global movement is building the capabilities for HR that are non-HR kind of things. And I'm among them we talk about digital transformation, emerging technologies, innovation, digital, uh, design thinking, uh, agility, uh, even diversity and inclusion, which, well, you know, it's a Im- very important thing that maybe has not been in the radar of HR for a long period of time, only maybe recently. So so that's what we're doing with Hacking HR. And I, my background, I am an electronic engineer. And I worked in telecommunications for about 10 years before switching to HR. I've been in HR for 10 years now. And... I think we need to bring the, the the very original idea of hacking HR was to bring together the world of technology and the world of HR. But of course, that idea evolved now into becoming a global community of leaders, practitioners, uh, you know, uh, CEOs, HR people to learn from each other and to well build this community. So you've mentioned uh, technology and how you know technology obviously is changing HR, but. You also talk a lot about the future of work and how technology is sort of driving this transformation of the workplace and what's expected of people or, or what you need from your employees. So uh, first of all, like how, what do you see as the, the real future of work? Well, the, 
future of work that I'm hoping for and that a lot of people are rooting for is a future of work where technology takes over the manual, transactional, administrative work that we've been doing for such a long period of time and for which we humans are not good for. And we start refocusing on what's intrinsically human. And then we let technology do the annoying chores, you know, day-to-day kind of step-by-step processes that that we have been running, but as I said before, we're not good at. Um, Let me give you one example of that. Uh, Analyzing data on spreadsheets. Technology can do that, whereas we can focus on making sense of that data and informing our leaders on what the data can imply for the business and for people who work for that organization. Another idea is we, you know, at least in the HR world, you get a lot of people asking you questions that require you to go back and, you know, go into files and review information and policies and whatnot. With machines, with technology, we can do that in seconds, whereas we humans can instead of going back to reviewing policies and finding all information that is stored in who knows you know what files we can focus on building the relationships between between uh, among our people so the world the future of work that i see is a future of work where we humans are working side by side technology in the most effective and a smooth way possible. To do that, we're going to need a new set of skills that that we don't have today. So let me give you one example of that. In 2015, Michael Dell, the CEO of Dell Companies, said he was asked what he considered to be the most important skills skill for the CEOs of the future. And he said, without a doubt, that skill is curiosity. So if you think about it, curiosity is an intrinsically human capability, an intrinsically human skill, but we have forgotten how to be curious. We have forgotten how to ask questions. We have forgotten how to reward people who are curious, who challenge the status quo, and who ask the kind of questions that can drive more innovation, more ideas, more creativity. So so the future, as I, as I said before, the future that I see is a future, a combination of technology taking over the more mundane, transactional, administrative kind of activities, and us humans being humans, being good at what we have always been good at, but that we forgot how to do, building relationships, being creative, being curious, using our imagination, being creative and whatnot. And, and empathy, of course, which is fundamental in all this transformation process that we're going through right now. So that sounds like a sort of a, a big bill for uh, like recruitment leaders to fill in terms of seeking out employees that have this different skill set. So what do you see as as the the future of hiring and and how HR leaders and recruitment professionals are going to deal with looking for these this totally different set of skills? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and I think I think recruiters have like many other fields of expertise, they have the unique opportunity to revamp and redesign the way we do recruitment right now. Uh, uh, This is what happens in recruitment, like in many other uh, traditional HR functions. We have been so used to doing things in one way that we forgot that there are so many other ways to do things because we're so focused on that one thing (laughs) and making it better, but within the box. You know what I mean? So it's like you always change things, but always within the same mindset. Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean by that. We, in the future, the newer the newer generations 
are not going to school. And the reason why they are not going to school is because one, schools are slow, they are expensive, the newer generations, they don't want to get into thousands and thousands of dollars of loans to go to school. Mm-hmm. And honestly, very often you can learn. I'm not going to say the same level that you learn in school, but you can learn great skills by watching YouTube videos or by going to one of those uh, online courses, right? So if you think about recruitment, one of the roles that recruiters will have is to think together with the rest of the HR function whether it makes sense to continue hiring people that come from renowned schools. I'm not and I'm, I'm not making a judgment call here. I'm not saying what's right and what's wrong. What I'm saying is for your function, for your industry, for your company, does it make sense to continue trying to find the people who come from the best schools instead of those who have done Great work, even though they don't have a a, a formal uh, diploma from a school from a school, right? So, so the future that I see in recruitment is one in which recruiters will start seeing all the trends that are shaping the new world of work, and they will start transforming the recruitment practices that they have in place. One of them, as I said before, looking at the schools. Another one is the uh, the for the the way we. Uh, sort of sort candidates and bring candidates on board. So right now, technology allows organizations to filter out candidates that may not have the right set of skills or capabilities that the company is needing. But at the same time, once technology helps recruiters filtering that out, the role of the recruiter is to understand whether that person that is being interviewed or that is a potential candidate candidate can bring uh, you know value to the organization and, and and this is important by the way because I'm saying bringing value to the organization not not becoming a cultural fit for the organization or a technical fit but bringing value which sometimes imply um, it, it implies that you may not be the best technical fit or the best cultural fit, but that you have the organization transform itself to, uh, you know, to do more things and to do better things. So I think the role of recruitment will be extremely important, but not from the transactional day-to-day recruiting operation, but from the perspective of how we look at all the trends that are transforming the future of work and how can we transform our own recruitment function to do it better, more aligned with technology are more aligned with the new kind of reality of work. So you also mentioned too that diversity and inclusion are incredibly important. So could you talk a little bit about that and how that might fit in uh, with what you just noted about the way recruitment recruiters are going to have to start looking for candidates who fit maybe a different, a little bit differently than the conventional uh, sort of perspective? Absolutely. And and that implies, for example, is extremely discriminatory when companies and recruiters only look at people who come from from Ivy Ivy League schools. And it's discriminatory not only because you're taking out of the equation the overwhelming majority of all the other schools that are not Ivy League Ivy League schools, but at the same time we know that people who can afford to go to Ivy League uh, schools are people who are, you know, traditional from from one race, from one socio, uh, 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 from one economic level. So, so in the role of recruitment, one of the main things that recruiters have to do is number one, truly understanding where the business, their their companies, and their industries uh, are going, what the trends that are affecting 
sort of those business goals, uh, what, what those trends are, and then transforming what they are looking at when they are trying to recruit people. Because as I mentioned before, uh, maybe somebody from an Ivy League school is not the best candidate for what you're looking for. Maybe you need somebody from, uh, you know, from another kind of school or maybe somebody who hasn't been in school at all. So, so this, this is part of this thinking of diversity and inclusion. And I, if you, if you, if you think about it, I'm talking about it beyond just the gender spectrum, which is what we normally talk about. You know, right. we normally talk about diversity and inclusion as being something uh, related to gender. And it's not that, you know, it's, it's gender, but it's also race. It's also background. It's also economic level. It's also nationality. And it's a number of things. So recruiters have to do a way better job to, uh, to be more mindful when they think about diversity and inclusion. But to do that, they, of course, need to understand best or better what their businesses are about and where, where those businesses are going to and the trends that are affecting those business goals. Because otherwise, it's going to be impossible for them to recruit the right people. Uh, you know, if you are a company who requires, you know, let's say that you are a company that is working with neuroscientists. I mean, maybe you, you're going to need to look into people who are neuroscientists, right? I mean, in that case, you might need to look into people who actually, you know, have gone to school. But if <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? So, but because you don't want to have a neuroscientist that learned how to be a neuroscience, you know, a neuroscientist just by, you know, watching, watching a YouTube, YouTube video. Yeah. But if you're looking for a designer, if you're looking for a programmer, if you're looking for more technical work that uh, or customer experience or employee experience, you may not need to have somebody from an Ivy, uh, Ivy League school or from a famous school or from an expensive school. So, but once again, the, the fundamental thing here, the cornerstone of all this mindful thinking about diversity and inclusion is first understanding where you are today as, a, as an organization, where you're going to, and how you can build that diverse and inclusive pipeline. Otherwise, uh, you know, you won't be able to think whether, you know, one kind of one type of candidate, where, where, whether diverse or not, is going to be those who are going to be adding the most amount of value to your organization. So that sounds like a, a tall order for for hiring managers and recruitment leaders in some ways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, are, are there any sort of technological tools, like I'm specifically thinking of maybe something that's enabled by artificial intelligence that's kind of maybe helping recruitment leaders even just vet resumes in a different way so that they're maybe um, not discounting candidates whom they might throw out, you know, just sort of in the in the normal process of, of vetting people there are there are many tools uh i for for the sake of the community that i'm building hacking hr i am i'm always mindful to not name uh any uh -huh. um you know in because i don't want to be biased uh you know towards some and, and not others uh you know our community is very diverse and right. they 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 always come from even from competing companies, competitors, and so I I, I want to be mindful about that. But the, the 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 bottom line here is that yes, there are plenty of companies doing that. And one thing that I'm doing and that I'm I'm inviting your listeners to to pay attention to some of the things that we're doing next year with Hacking HR, we're going to be doing a few things that will respond to your question more specifically and not just at this very high level that I'm saying right now. We're going to be doing an HR Tech Startup Week in which we're going to be showcasing technology that precisely helps with what you just asked for. Number two, we're going to be developing an online 
HR tech marketplace, which will allow people from small, medium, big companies to come to that HR tech marketplace and see what's available to them. Uh, so, so what we are building is something like, you know, if you want to build a tool that uses artificial intelligence to help uh, with diversity and inclusion, then you're going to input those keywords into, into our search engine, and then you're going to find the companies that are doing that right now. But in short, yes, there are plenty of companies that are, that are doing that. They are not difficult to find, but there are many. There are many companies doing that. And so that that uh, HR Tech Startup Week, it's in February, correct? That is correct. Yes, okay. the HR Tech Startup Week is in February. Then we have coming up uh, in March of next year, we have the HR Innovation and Future of Work Global Conference, which I'm hoping to become, I'm hoping that it becomes the largest online HR conference. Hopefully we can bring 10,000 people for that one. Uh, so I'm inviting your listeners to join us. Uh, it's all free. It's all online. And we're bringing an amazing panel of speakers and an amazing agenda. And well, you know, just keep an eye on, on HackingHR.io because we have all, all the events that, that we're doing. It's there, up, up there. Well, it sounds like you have quite a lot going on in the next few months. Um, yeah. Anything else going on in the short term that you might like to invite our listeners to participate in? We are going to have the reskilling and upskilling global conference, and we are going to be talking about how to reskill ourselves, ourselves, our workforce, and our organizations. It's going to be a one-day online free conference. Uh, people can go to uh, HackingHR.io to, to sign up for that conference. And we're bringing a, an incredible group of speakers who have been working on this area for quite a long time. Uh, skills right now have a very short shelf life. And I've, people say that every five years, we're going to be, we're going to be changing uh, between 30 and 40% of our skills. Imagine that every five years and learning and relearning almost half of the things you know. <laughs> uh, that. That doesn't mean that you have to that you that you will forget what you learned before because everything that we learn throughout our life and our careers contribute somehow to what we're going to be doing next. But what we know today and what we are uh, the skills that we have today are not going to be enough for the kind of jobs and the kind of challenges that we're going to need in the future. Actually, there was a research I believe by either Deloitte or McKinsey that said that by the year 2030, 85% of the new jobs that will be created do not exist today. And what that means is that we may need a number of skills that we don't even know what they are today. What's important is to have the mindset of, I have to learn all the time. And this is something that really concerns me about HR because we think that only by getting a certification or going to one conference, that's enough, enough for us to remain relevant. And it really is not. Yeah, you, you've talked a lot about um, a sort of creating a new value proposition for HR. How would you define that? Like, um, I think to, to me, the, this new value proposition for HR has, has four elements. Those, those four elements are not things that we are not new that are things that are becoming more relevant than ever before. The first principle or the first value is, of course, people. We in HR have not been focusing on people. We have been focusing on processes and systems. And this is what's funny about all this. We think, or a lot of people think, that HR has been for the business and not for the people, which is not true either, because if HR was for the business, businesses were not 
disgruntled or or uh, or disappointed at the work of HR. So the reality is that we have been so much focused on running processes, running systems, you know, enforcing rules that we have forgotten that we have a business or an organization and a group of people that we need to serve. So the principle number one or the value number one is focusing on people. The value number two is aligning with business strategists. The ultimate goal of HR is to ensure the sustainability, the long-term sustainability of the organization. And to do that, we work with people and we work with business leaders, but we need to understand what the business goals are. And this ties back to what I said before with recruitment. If recruiters don't know what the business goals are, they can be as effective as the one hiring people, but maybe those people are not the right ones. So, so principle number one is people. Principle number two is alignment with business goals or business priorities. Principle number two is becoming agile. I don't think there's any function as stale and slow and bureaucratic as HR. And don't get me wrong, I love HR and I love working for HR, <laughs> but this is the kind of tough love you know, that we need to talk about because as long as we keep telling ourselves that we are doing a good job, we are going to miss the biggest opportunities to change and to add more value. We are not doing the best job. We can do way better, but we are not. So, so this, this principle of, of being agile means that we need to embrace that we live in a chaotic, volatile, very fast-moving world and very often, the processes that we have in place do not fit into this new reality. But what's even more important is that even if we revamp our processes, we need to build in the tools within that process to revamp it and renew it when it's time to do it. Because things change so fast today that we can't uh, we can't either sit, you know, idly on the corner just waiting for things to happen or we can expect from our processes to deliver value for a long period of time because things change too fast and the last principle remember i'm, I'm talking about the new value proposition of hr there are four principles so number one mm-hmm. is people number two is aligning with uh, business priorities number three is becoming an agile function and number four of course is leveraging on technology and what that means is that all companies today Every single company, no matter what they do, is a technology company. Whether we want to accept that as a reality or not, that's a different that's a different thing. But every company, from the from the guy who's selling you know falafel on the corner of New York to the guy who's doing you know the most advanced you know rocket science to take humans to the, to Mars, all companies today are technology companies because somehow we use technology for everything. So we need to leverage on technology to become more effective, to become more productive. And once again, the, I'm, I'm kind of closing the circle, the, the cycle here or the circle here, tying back to something that I said at the beginning, the future of human or, or, or humanity is effective work side-by-side technology and humans. So if we in HR are able to effectively use technology to run some of of the most mundane, uh, transactional, step-by-step processes, then we're going to have the opportunity to uh, stop doing what doesn't add value and instead focus on what truly, truly adds value. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Enrique. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners before we sign off? Learn. 
that's all that I always say, learn. I, I, well, I always say actually two things. Number one is learn. Number two is be part of something, join something where you can learn. And number three is take action. You know, don't sit waiting for things to happen to you, especially in HR, if you're a HR person, because things won't happen to you anymore. The times where companies would invest in people just, you know, as the only way for people to develop or grow, those times are gone. Now it's a very self-driven uh, kind of world. So learn, take action, be part of something. All right. Well, thank you so much, Enrique. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Smart Dreamers podcast. For more resources and insights, including the Smart Dreamers Academy, please visit us online at smartdreamers.com.